0: Well, I read recently uh, about a man whose wife was going into labor, and he dialed 911 in a panic, not knowing what to do. When the dispatcher answered, he cried, My wife's having a baby. Her contractions are only two minutes apart. What do I do? The dispatcher said, Calm down. Is this her first child? No, the frantic man replied. This is her husband. <laughs> needless to say, the honorability of fatherhood and the way it is viewed in our culture has been deprecated and darkened over recent years, recent decades. I grew up in a household of a wonderful father, the best in the world, tied for first place with all of your dads, of course, and many have gone on to be with the Lord in heaven. I had the blessing of being around an honorable man who served his country in the Air Force in World War II and then for many, many, many years in the Air Force Reserves after that. A godly man, a good man, a gentle man, and he is now in that later stage of life where I am caring much for him. I've had the privilege. He is an honorable man. But that's not the case in our culture in every situation. Bill McCartney, the founder of The Promise Keeper, shares this story that a greeting card company some years back... One of the giveaway Mother's Day cards at a penitentiary, giving the inmates an opportunity to express their love and appreciation to their mothers. All the inmates had to do was to agree to sign and address the card. Everything else would be taken care of for them. The response was so great that the company ran out of cards and had to rush in additional boxes. The leaders of the company then decided to do the same thing for Father's Day, thinking they'd have the same response. They sent word to the prisoners ahead of time, and this time boxes arrived with an abundance of cards. But no prisoners showed up, not one. Not a single person came to send his dad a Father's Day card. Friends, what the greatest generation left us and the following generations is a change. Things have changed in our culture where family has been lowered in its view, our honor for parents has changed dramatically. But what I want to share with you here today are some encouraging words from the scripture that we today, as God's people, can make a difference and change that tide back the right way. God isn't giving up on the family. His word is forever settled in heaven. And so he says to us, children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. I want to talk to you today about honor and about influence and about blessing, the privilege that we have as fathers and as parents But what is honor? I think our culture has lost a sense of that. There's been so many dishonorable people, so many people screwing up in every possible way that we've lost that sense of respect for things that were once respect. But honor is simply this, to highly value someone, to view them in a way that you see them as important, as valuable, and as essential. It means placing a high value in this context on our fathers and on our mothers. I'm just curious. It says children will obey your parents. How many, how many children do we have present in the sanctuary today? Come on. Come on. We're, we're, all, we're all children still. This isn't a temporary... Did you ever hand up before I said that? He <laughs> yeah, got it. Um, this is not a temporary direction by God to honor our parents. Until we're 18 and we leave the house, or 21 when we become adults, it's an enduring commandment, right in the Ten Commandments. Those aren't the Ten Suggestions, by the way, of some have thought. They're the Ten Commandments. But this commandment is a lifelong one for a good reason. It comes with a promise. God says, if you will honor, hold in high regard your father and your mother, then this will happen to you. It will go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. A lot of my ministry in this church and many other ways focuses on many of the older population in the church. I know we are living longer. Medicine has advanced to a degree and procedures and techniques have allowed us to live much longer than when I was a kid. Age expectancies were like 70-ish. Now we're projecting more well into the 80s and even close to the 90s in some, some studies right now. But are people enjoying life? Are you enjoying life today? I don't mean happy, giddy stuff, but is there fulfillment? Is there, is there a sense of, of destiny and sense of purpose in your life? God promises that to continue who continue to honor their parents throughout their life. So what does it look like? What does honoring our father look like? Well, it means that when he says something to us and instructs us that we listen to it, that we carefully consider it and thoughtfully consider it, and then as part of their household, we act in that direction. Now, that's sometimes easier than other times. And when our parents start telling us how to parent, None of you grandparents, as I'm one, would ever tell your kids how to parent, would you? It's still instruction, friends. We need to honor that and respect that and listen to it. And we as grandparents sometimes need to be honoring our children as parents and not try to force our will upon them. But the scriptures tell us in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, My son, keep your father's commands. Well, dads try to teach us about a lot of things, don't they? I've done it as a father. All the fathers in this room have tried to do this. They teach us about a wide range of things. They teach us about logic, for instance. Like saying, if you fall out of that tree and break your neck, don't come crying to me. They might teach us about maturity. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. They might even teach you about religion. I hope so, but not in this way. You better pray that grape juice you spilled on the carpet comes out. They teach us about perseverance. Perseverance. You're going to sit here until you eat that last piece of broccoli. Fathers teach us about genetics. You're just like your mother. Sometimes they teach us about the weather. It looks like a tornado swept through your room. They also teach us about receiving. Boy, are you going to get it when I get you home. They might even teach us about contradictions. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. Now hopefully, you see that's all in good humor here. But dads... Gentlemen, if you're in that role as a father or a grandfather, you have a high, holy, and honorable responsibility and privilege. God says to children, honor your fathers. They're looking up to you. They're looking for that direction. They're looking for that instruction. They need it from you. From the day they're born to the day that you leave this planet, it's a lifelong responsibility. Honor is a two way street. I found in my own parenting experience, and I'm blessed to say with my two children, 22 and 28 years old, the most beautiful, wonderful children on the planet, tied with all of yours, of course. Um, I found a much better success by listening to them, honoring and respecting them, treating them like lifelong friends. From early childhood, I purposed to listen purpose to let them be who they are and to see that I would one day have a lifelong relationship with these in mature adulthood. Honor is a two-way street, as I said a moment ago, and what we sow oftentimes we reap. But what does dishonor look like? Well, sometimes it looks like mouthing off to your father or speaking disrespectfully to him. Of course, that's never happened to any of us, but that's what dishonor looks like. Oh, and by the way, to dishonor your parent, your mother, or your father is a sin. It's something God says, don't do that. And there's a reason for it. It's not just a suggestion, it's a direction because he wants to bless us and teach us a proper respect for him as our Heavenly Father, to understand that there's some things that we just can't have our way. Disregarding any reasonable request of our Father is also disrespect. Or calling our dad names or spewing angry bile at him. Those are disrespectful and dishonoring. Or even thinking you know better than he does and telling her so and telling your siblings so that you know more than your dad. The fact is, on some subjects, our kids are learning a lot of stuff faster than us, aren't they? My daughter got into advanced trigonometry as a freshman in high school, and honestly, I'm a pretty good math guy, but I never took that stuff, and I had to get a tutor for it because she was past me. I couldn't help her. But in most cases, friends, we do know better. We have the blessing of uh, the seasoning of life and the wisdom that we get from it. So as children, we need to listen, respect, and honor our parents, and it will go well with us. If that's not been your pattern... You can start today. If that's not been your habit, that can change. Being honorable and honoring our parents does not mean you have to agree with everything your dad thinks. Of course, none of you disagree with your dads on anything, but you don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to accept a negative, bitter spirit from your father if that's what he has poured into your life. And you don't have to receive harsh or damaging words into your heart or spirit when they're doled out to you. That's not honor. And you don't have to do anything your father models or commands that is in clear violation of God's commands. Because he says, this is right, your parents in the Lord, in the context of biblical guidelines. But it is so very easy for fathers to feel undervalued and unappreciated. And when we feel that way or a dad feels that way, it's discouragement takes over and disillusionment takes over and we take our hand off the throttle, take our foot off the gas and just say, what am I going to do? I can't do anything. But friends, I want to share some secrets that Ken Canfield shared with us in a book by the title Seven Secrets of Effective Fathers here to help us know what we can do and what God does expect from us. The first of those seven things he shares with us in his book is, number one, effective fathers are committed to their children. Now, we have children by a natural process, and God brings them to us. And we begin a relationship that changes us as dads. There's no question about it. But just as we made a commitment to Christ at whatever time in our life it was, a lifelong commitment... When we're married, we make a lifelong commitment to our spouse. And I just did a wedding ceremony on the chancel here just yesterday and heard these vows of I do and I will and I'll do all these things. When we have children, we need to make a commitment, make a decision, an intentional decision that I am going to do my level best for the rest of my child's life, the rest of my life on this planet to parent them with God's help. It's not a part-time job. It's not a temporary occupation for dads. It's not something to be relegated or delegated to someone else. It's not the church's job to raise our kids. It's not our schools, and we know these things. But guys, I think we need to ratchet it up a few notches. If we're going to turn the tide of a culture that's gone awry turn the tithe of a culture that's turned away from the Bible and away from godly principles and we see the disaster of the ethics and the morals in our culture because of those things we need to bring the family back front and center and God charges dads with that responsibility fathers and mothers work together but God has ordained that the father is the key person in that whole equation so he gives us that ability but it starts with a commitment secondly We need to know our children. And the only way you get to know your children is by spending time with them. And some say quality time, but I'll say it in a different way. Time to understand their hearts, time to understand their thoughts, time to understand their aspirations, and listening carefully to them. Thirdly, we need to be consistent in our attitudes and behaviors. There's so much insecurity and fear and anxiety being bred by our culture and by the society we live in. Everything's changing. Everything's different. There's no morals or norms or standards like when I was growing up. The dad in the house needs to be rock solid, steady, consistent in your attitude and your behavior. It brings a blanket of peace and covering over your household. Fourthly, we need to protect and provide for our children. Most of us get that we understand that, and we honor that, and we want to do that. Fifthly, and by no means of these in a particular order, we need to love the mother of our children. Love her. Lay your life down for her. Whether it's sad to say, your marriage has not succeeded, and you're separated or even divorced, love the mother of your children. It is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your children. Even if your relationship, some for whatever reasons didn't succeed, continue to love her. You'll breed into them the notion and the understanding of what true fatherhood and what true family is really all about. Again, sixthly, sixth secret is that successful fathers are active listeners. I mentioned that before, but I want to ratchet that up just a little bit. Our children need to know that what they're thinking and they're feeling is important to you. Thank God the Blackhawks are out of the playoffs. I wanted them to win, but thank God that distraction's gone, right? And the Bulls, they're not going to make it for a while unless they make a trade. The Cubs and Sox, forget it. So we need to put the remote down, turn the TV off, and when our kids are around, we need to pay attention and listen to them. Actively listen. And seventh, we need to spiritually equip our children. Maybe you don't feel that capable of that. And so we defer sometimes to the Sunday school leaders or the pastors or other significant individuals. Guys, I'm going to put a word of challenge. If you don't feel equipped today to spiritually equip your children, then get on it. Get it done. Get yourself into a men's Bible study fellowship. Get yourself into a small group. Do something that gets you in a position where that you are growing continually spiritually so that you're getting closer to Christ and leading your children in that direction. It can't be done by remote control. It can't be done by somebody else. It's God's responsibility. God put that responsibility on us as dads and expects it from us. But sometimes when we get discouraged, that's a pretty tall order there that God puts before us through his word and through this great book I referenced here, we can get very discouraged. And when we get discouraged as dads and feel like we're unappreciated, for all that we're doing, we're working so hard. We're working a full-time and a part-time job. We're trying our best to keep everything together. When there's crisis, when there's situations, we're trying our best. We can get tired. We can feel our exasperated ourselves. But we need to be very careful not to s- slip from having godly influence and slip into control. Instead of an honorable task of influence, we can turn to control, and the result is we lose both influence and control. When we attempt to control others, it's one of the highest forms of disrespect. To say to somebody, I'm not going to let you think for yourself, feel for yourself, or learn to make decisions. I'm going to make them for you because you're not going to know how to do it, crushes the human spirit and crushes the soul of a young child or a teen or even a 20-year-old. Influence, on the other hand, comes from the belief that children have a divine seed in them and that they're made in God's image. And God seeks to gently guide them into the divine life, into maturity over a lifetime. God's been very patient with you and me as adults. We need to be extraordinarily patient with our children in their maturation and spiritual growth. They're going to make mistakes. You've made a few. I remember one key one I made a few years back. I always want to have fun with my son and do cool things. He went to a fun fair someplace and he threw a ping pong ball into a something or other. And At least that time, I don't think he came home with a goldfish, which eventually don't last very long. He came home with a little uh, parachute man, like a parachute about the, with a little army man. You know what those things are, right? So he's throwing it up about five feet in the air. And I'm like, that's, that's dumb. That doesn't do anything. So then I'm throwing it as high as I could, about 30 feet into the air, and it kind of drifts down. And I got this brilliant idea. I said, you know what, I, would you like it to go higher? He goes, yeah, that'd be fun, Dad. So it was gently breezed, a gentle breeze was blowing, and I got a kite. And I hooked that army man on there with the parachute up near the kite and put a slip knot so I could pull it off, send it up a couple hundred feet in the air, and gently pull the string, and the, the guy started. But then an updraft came. A strong wind came and carried it a thousand feet. I'm not exact. It kept going up and over and off the horizon. We lost it completely. My son, Dad, you lost my toy. What did you do that for? So my idea of something good didn't turn out quite so well. We make mistakes. Ask God's forgiveness. Ask your children's forgiveness every time you make a mistake that you know you were wrong. Even when they were wrong first, and you're just doing your duty. If you do it the wrong way. Say, son, I'm sorry. Those key words will do more to build respect and honor from your son or your daughter to you than anything else you can say is to be real. I'm sorry. I'm a growing person, too. You're going to make mistakes. For, ask God's forgiveness, seek your child's forgiveness, and under the blood of Christ, go forward. God's mercies are new every morning. Start afresh with a good attitude, a positive resolve, and saying, I'm going to be the best dad I can be today with God's help. God has ordained us to have a major influence on our children and our grandchildren that we can, with God's help, alter the course of our country, alter the course of our culture, and advance the kingdom of God. Fathers who, influenced by love and loving faith and confidence, build and produce the future leaders of this world. Fathers who seek to control produce resentful children who reject their influence, and ultimately we lose both control and influence. They shut us out. Author Jerry White, in his book, Making Peace with Reality, shares some beautiful insights on this topic. He says... What we try to teach our children is one thing, but what we transmit to them through the way we live, the way we carry ourselves, the way we seek to instruct them is far more important. He suggests these are things we need to transmit to our children and to our grandchildren. We need to transmit a sense of destiny to them, that they're unique, they're special, and teach them to have that quiet God confidence. Their lives are important. We need to transmit a sense of purpose that they have a mission in life. Every human life that comes on this planet is here for a reason. God-ordained. There's a design seed, a design purpose, and when we help our children find that, when we believe it for them, when we see it for them, we breathe it into them in our words and our ways, and they will capture that and have a sense of purpose. We need to breathe into them a sense of love as the highest of all values. A sense of security, that they're safe, and that family is their refuge. A sense of hope, which is a positive outlook and expecting good to come. And I just want to pause on that thought for a minute. If you, and there's a range of things. Some people are predominantly glass half full. Other people are predominantly glass half uh, empty. And if you're one of those on the negative end of that sketch, that you see things through the darker view, the more real view from your point of view, be careful what you're breeding and your children's thinking. Because they're going to pick up that imprint from you. We need to breathe as Christ followers, a God who says, I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me in Philippians, the same apostle that wrote the Ephesians passage. We need to breathe that sense of hope, expecting positive things and setting goals and values in in line with that. That comes from us. Last but not least, we need to breathe into our children a desire for godliness, a passion for God. Not for church activities, which are great, Not for external religion, but for a deep relationship with a loving God. And to be able to transmit that, we've got to have it ourselves. We need to continue to grow ourselves. Every generation depends on men not simply being breadwinners in the household, but to breed winners. When it comes to parenting, if we sow a thought in our children, we'll reap an act. They will reap an act. If we sow an act demonstrating something, our children will reap a habit. If we sow a habit that they see, they will reap character. If we sow character, they will reap a destiny. Maybe your children don't have that honoring relationship with you now. Maybe some feel you've lost hope of ever getting it back. My kids don't talk to me. I don't know how to reach them. They've closed themselves off to you. Gentlemen, my brothers, be the leader. Be the first to say you're sorry. Be the first to apologize. Be the first to build the bridge. Even if you are 99% right, be the first to build that bridge of relationship. Continue to lead and offer positive influence. Dr. Leighton Ford shared these thoughts some years back. I think it'll be helpful for us in the context of fatherhood. The difference between what's urgent, and we live in a world of urgent. Every moment, there's news. There's red flashes across the screen while you're watching a baseball game. Right, we're bombarded with information, urgent information. But there's a difference between what's urgent and what's important when it comes to family and fatherhood. He says these words: What is urgent is measured by the running clock. What's important is measured by the growing spirit. What is urgent clamors loudly for action. What is important knocks quietly for attention. What is, important says, what is urgent says, do this now. What is important says, put my family first. What is urgent is knowledge intensive. What is important for our children is value intensive. What is urgent may boost my career, but what is important will build my family What is urgent shows in quarterly profits, what is important is seeing in empowered children. What is urgent is having taller buildings, what is important is building stronger families. What is urgent may add to my reputation, what is important will determine my children's destiny. What is urgent makes me focus on my schedule and what I want to get done. What is important makes me focus on God's opportunities and what he wants to get done in my household. What is urgent matters most in time. What is important matters most in eternity. My brothers, fathers, grandfathers, we have tremendous opportunity to live honorable lives, to be tremendously influential every single day. It starts as simply as praying with your children and for them, with and for, every single day. That they hear the heart of faith that you have. That they hear you blessing them and encouraging them through your prayers. It can be a 30-second word of affirmation, a 30-second prayer, maybe something longer than that. We have the opportunities. We need to see them. And we need to seize them. And now is the time. I'm going to close with a thought a poem I read some time back that I think will augment and help us see this clearly. It's entitled, Our Inheritance. I dreamed that the Lord came by my bedside and took me far away on a tour of heaven. Everywhere I looked, my eyes saw the beauty of gold and precious jewels as abundant as the grass on the earth. Everywhere I walked, my ears ears heard a mighty chorus of voices praising God as constant and tireless as the waves of the ocean. All around me I could feel tremendous peace and love, for there was no darkness, disappointments, disabilities, nor death there. Then Jesus held me close and said, "'Your room here is almost finished.' But suddenly I grew concerned and tears came to my eyes as I realized how unfinished the rooms were for my children. "'This world is cruel and mean. Will they be okay?' I said." And Jesus took my hand and tenderly smiled and reminded me, you aren't the only one who loves them, you know. I am the power behind your prayers. I am the joy behind your laughter and smile. I am the strength behind your hard work. I am the grace behind your compassion. I am the wisdom behind your counsel. I am the spirit behind your commitment and dedication. I am the light behind your path. I am the hope behind your faith. I am the life behind your life. The inheritance you have given them is me. Friends, a father's legacy is so clearly evident in the hearts and lives that are in our home and in our family. And the greatest blessing we can give to our children is a solid foundation of faith in Jesus Christ upon which they will be able to build their life, their plans, their families, and their destiny. As we move to a close here today, I want to share a prayer. I think every single dad or mom might want to be praying. It touched my heart when I read it recently. General Douglas MacArthur penned this some years back. And I want you in your own heart and your own mind, to reach out in prayer, a prayer of blessing over your children and over your grandchildren, wherever some may be in the sanctuary with you. Some may be in the children's areas right now and some may be off at college or live in another state or someplace else. But I want us to reach through prayer to bring a blessing to them. Let us pray. Build me a child, O Lord, who will be strong and strong enough to know when they are weak and brave enough to face themselves when they are afraid. One who will be proud and unbending in honest defeat and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a child whose wishbone will not be where their backbone should be, who will know thee and to know themselves is the foundation of knowledge. Lead them, I pray, not in the path of ease and comfort, but under the stress and spur of difficulties and challenge. Here, let them learn to stand up in the storm. Here, let them learn compassion for those who fail. Build me a child whose heart will be clean, whose goal will be high, a child who will master themselves before they seek to master other people, one who will learn to laugh, yet never forget how to weep, one who will reach into the future, yet never forget the past. And after all these things are theirs, I pray enough of a sense of humor so that they may always be serious, yet never take themselves too seriously. Give them humility so that they may always remember the simplicity of greatness, the open mind of true wisdom, the meekness of true strength. Then his father will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. Father God, help this be our portion as we pray for and seek to be honorable in our influence and blessing our children. May you empower us to that task in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.